Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adventures in Angular. This week on our show, we have Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. It is so good to be here. Dave Cooper. Hey, everybody. Now, Dave, you're a new panelist. Do you want to just remind people who you are? We had you on a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I'm Dave. I'm an Australian guy living in London, writing codes. And yeah, I was on a few weeks ago talking about data mocking solutions in, in front-end applications. And it's really, really cool to be here. I'm, I'm super psyched to be a panelist now. Probably more nervous than Dale here. <laughs> <laughs> we are so freaking glad to have you. Welcome aboard, yeah. man. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. We also have Yunus Jaidi. Yay. Hello. I'm so happy to be here for my first Adventures in Angular of uh, 2020. And yeah. second one, by the way. I know. I, I'm still nervous about saying your name. So I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. This week, we have a special guest, and that is Dale Spoonmore. Dale, do you want to introduce yourself and let us know who you are and why you're awesome? Yeah, thank you. Uh, my name is, uh, like you said, Dale Spoonmore. I'm from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I uh, have an app called From Sea to Spoon that makes gardening easy. And I started learning how to code in 2017. So it's kind of been a, a quick journey here of, of going from not knowing how to code to, to having an app and having it in the app store and, and all the stuff that comes with that. So I'm excited to be here today and excited to share my story and talk about what it's like to have a side app while still having a full-time job and a family and all that. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So you're from Oklahoma too? This yeah. might be a little too much. We, we might have to back this off. <laughs> I'm currently <laughs> in Kansas City, Missouri, but I hail from Tulsa. Oh, okay. We're, we're okay then this week. <laughs> <laughs> for right now, for this moment. <laughs> for, for right now. Don't move, Alyssa. All right. So, Dale, do you want to just give us a, a brief pitch on Seed to Spoon? Because we brought you on to kind of talk about the journey that you went on building this app. And uh, before we do that, I kind of want to just talk about like where the idea came from and what it is and what it does so people know what you've built and what kinds of things went into it, if that makes sense. And then we can dive into, okay, what's the story here? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, the basic idea of the app is this. When we started growing food, I'll get into the kind of why we started growing food later on, but the basic idea is this. When we started growing food, there's a lot of information. There's all these different plants we wanted to grow. They all had different planting dates and different schedules of when you had to water and fertilize and when you had to do all these different things. And I'm on the spectrum and I've, this is kind of my thing. I love memorizing a lot of data and organizing it and all of this. So I had all of these spreadsheets going and all of this stuff. And I've been around software my entire life. So I, I wanted to make an app to make it easy to manage all this information. So that's what this app does. It gives you planting dates that are, that are calculated based on your location. We find your nearest uh, weather station and then calculate planting dates off of that. It gives you all the information about how to grow over 100 different foods. It has all the companion plants. So it shows you what grows well next to each other as well as what doesn't. It shows you the pests that attack each plant. And then you can tap on that pest and it shows you how to manage it organically without using chemicals. It has it pulls in all the blog posts from our website. So we put out blog posts almost every day that's, you know, a recipe or something about how to grow something or how to do something or the top five plants for, you know, different things. A feature that we added in August of last year that my wife pioneered, she's a nurse and, and pioneered the, the idea of linking people to growing for health. So it's a health filter in the app on the on the plants list page where you can 
tap on that and it shows you 26 different health conditions. And when you choose a health condition, it shows you all the plants that help with that. She put all of her, you know, training and she pulled in her friends that are, uh, that are really knowledgeable on the subject to build that out. So, you know, in an essence, it gives you everything you need to know about how to grow food. And we have a garden plus version that is coming out. It's in testing right now. We've been working so hard over the past year building this out and it's in testing and it's going to let you log plantings. And then it will, from there, it's going to count. It'll tell you when to start, you can, when you can harvest, when you can, when everything will happen. We have a lot of really exciting stuff we're working in there. We're going to do a lot of automated stuff and a lot of innovation that's going to be coming on that front. So it's hard right now because we still like have full-time jobs and we do this on nights and weekends and I've got four kids. So, but yeah, that's what our app does. I'm sure I left out some other stuff. We've we spent all of our time on this. This is my whole life, y'all. So it's not just me. We have uh, two of my friends that started working on the app with us in the middle of the year last year. Uh, Patrick and Justin uh, work really hard on it and help us out. And then my wife is super involved in it. She learned how to how to manage uh, backend data and how to do HTML and CSS and all of that from a nursing background. So she handles all of that and all of our marketing. And um, so yeah, that's hopefully that answers uh, the question. Now I want to talk about gardening. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, this fall, I didn't have a chance to put it up, but I bought basically all of the like all the metal pieces angles for a greenhouse to put in my yard. And the reason is, is because I love tomatoes and I don't really love the ones in the grocery store. I I like them to have some flavor. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I was like, if I build a greenhouse then I can, you know, I can plant this stuff and I can harvest it earlier and just have them all year round. So yeah, I'm going to be using this fairly extensively (laughs) when it warms back up. But yeah, so you got all this together. What made you decide to do this? And it sounds like you learned to code to do it. And so I'm, I'm curious about that too. Yeah. So I met my wife in 2015. And when I met her, I'd come off of a divorce and a really rough period of my life where depression had really wrecked things for me. And when I met her, she just, you know, she, she's, she's a lot of life, just her, her but it's something about that made me want to be different. And, and she helped me understand that, um, you know, what had been going on with me is that anxiety and depression was a thing. And, th- and that there was a treatment for that that did not involve medication because I tried some of the medication and I, it didn't work for me. So I got this book called The Depression Cure that talked about how to manage it with basic things, drinking a lot of water, getting exercise, eating the right foods, specifically things that have a lot of magnesium and calcium, you know, getting the proper amount of sunlight, you know, going to bed with the sun, waking up with the sun, just all these things that you've been taught since you were five years old. But something about this book and the way it presented it made me take it serious. So I started kind of following everything this book said to do. And pretty quick, I was spending like 20 or 30 bucks a week on spinach and kale. And then the idea came, well, I I heard that if I throw some seeds on the ground and it rains a little bit, then I'll get some food. And that was kind of where this idea started. So I started a garden back in 2015. And if you go look at my website at seedtospoon.net, you can see a before and after of my yard. So this is kind of what happens with me, right? I get interested in something and then quickly it snowballs and I've got hundreds of books around me and I'm, I'm staying up all night studying stuff and I can't really control it. So that's just kind of how I've always been and it's, it's fun. I like it. Anyway, that's kind of where this idea came from of I learned all this stuff and I wanted this information to go somewhere. I wanted to make it easy for other people to do the same thing. I think we've all felt, you know, the the friction in the country over the past however long. And, and I wanted to do something to kind of counter that, to be a face, you know, to, to do something to make it 
to make the place better is, is all I could say. I wanted my life to do something personal to help other people. And that was where the idea came from, from the app as we started there. And that's still what's driving us is, is really, I want, I have to have an outlet. I used to be a bit obsessed with a newsreader and, and like try and keep up on all that. And I don't really do that anymore. I put my energy into trying to do something to, to do something about it, you know? So that's what from seed to spoon is for me is it's the place that I put all that energy. I've got four kids and I really like care about the world they're going to grow up in. So um, instead of worrying about it, I put the, the energy into this. That's incredible. I'm looking right now on Seed Dispoon. It looks like there's Google Play app, an iOS app, and then a web app. How are you doing all of this? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, shout out to Ionic, that team over there. Oh my gosh, uh, that, that was revolutionary for me because that's one code base that does all of that. And shout out too, to all the wonderful people on Pluralsight and YouTube and all of that that I learned all this from. Deborah Carada. Oh my gosh, her Angular videos on Pluralsight. I watched that getting started one eight times when I, <laughs> when I started out. I had to go through it eight times to really get my head around all this no, Angular stuff. I am the exact same way. And I still do that with certain videos where I'm like, I'm going to watch that one again. So I'm yeah. right there with you. <laughs> yeah. And so many people out there that, you know, I just obsessively watch these videos. And so Ionic was key for me because that gives me all of those. And we have an Electron app that'll be coming too for Mac. And so we'll be on all five platforms, which is super exciting, all from one code base. So we were in Ionic 3 originally, and then we had to rewrite the app over the past six months or so uh, in Ionic 4. But also, like, I started learning how to code in 2017. So the first version of this app was, I, it was rough, y'all. So I had to go back in and like, I mean, I was grabbing new data in every page. Like I wasn't using services. Like I wasn't doing anything. So now like we've got NGRX and all that kind of stuff. So we've, and we've got also, we've got Century and all that kind of stuff hooked in now. So we can see when people have issues. So that's um, crazy. At what point did you like bring in NGRX? Was that a recent thing or did yes, you? Yeah. yeah. So the, the nice thing about this is my day job is I'm a full-time Angular developer. I also do some backend stuff like, you know, but it's all like EF core, you know, real simple uh, CRUD stuff. So most of the stuff I'm doing is in Angular and I've kind of become one of our, um, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time studying Angular. So I do this during the day and then anything I learned during the day, I get to bring home. So, you know, and I work with just incredibly talented people that are amazing at Angular. And so they're teaching me new stuff every single day. It's fun. You know, the, the week I learned NGRX at work, I came at home and I, I put it in um, over the weekend. So we're not fully NGRX yet. We're still moving pieces over. But the goal is to get everything fully over into NGRX. But we are fully into Firebase. So that kind of negates the need a little bit because we've got everything plugged directly into Firebase and we're looking at NGON changes for stuff. So, so in Garden Plus, if you update something in the app, it's going to show immediately. You know, or if we push new data out, it shows immediately in the app without you even having to do anything. The observables are just watching. So, and that's another thing too. We didn't have observable subscriptions unsubscribing before. So it was a mess of, of memory leaks before. And I've been refactoring for the past six months and it's been fun. I really like going in and doing all this. What is your like balance as far as, you know, because you're doing this as a night gig. And so what's your balance as far yeah. as keeping up with the garden and then keeping up with the gardening app? Like how do you... It is so hard. I got to admit, I have crashed a number of times where I've not been good at it, where I go too many nights in a row of going until 3 a.m. And then I get sideways with my anxiety or my depression and then I crash for a month and... It is a very difficult thing that I think I've just figured out in the past three months. Here's the keys for me. This Apple Watch, I make happy every single day. I get exercise and, and stand and I, I meet all three rings every day. That is like my guiding light, right? And I've only been doing that for about the past three weeks. So I'm not claiming that like I've been doing that for three months, but that, that's been the goal and it's really helped because it forces me to get up. It forces me to, to do all of that. 
I've also gotten stricter about my food recently because I got off track on that. It's difficult. And two, like if I didn't have my wife, I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, she is right there with me and my kids are there helping. And, you know, we've got a lot of like people like that, you know, so we got uh, friends and family that help too. So, so yeah, it's very difficult and I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, I still push myself too much sometimes. I have four kids and two of them are from a previous marriage and I have them week on week off. So generally those weeks that they're away, my two younger kids go to bed at like 7.30. So my wife and I, she'll be sitting, my desk is in L shape and hers is right here. So we're sitting here together from 7.30 until, you know, till midnight on Friday and Saturday. And then we're doing that from 7.30 till maybe 11, Monday through Friday. But we're spending time together and we're joking and we're, and we're writing stuff together. So it's not like I'm off by myself, but it is difficult, but it's fun for me. Like I'm having the time of my life doing this stuff with her, you know? And so I think it's all in how you look at it. And here's the thing, whenever my, I've had to think about money too much about monetizing, then I get sideways and it becomes something I don't want to do anymore. So, you know, so I've had to stay focused on, we are building something that we, that we want to use. And we've had to stay focused on the software because it's hard to not pivot our time right now to building a store and having all that. Cause we have 150,000 people that have downloaded the app and a lot of active, about 30,000 active users on our, on our, on our good months. So it's hard not to think about pivoting those people into a store and doing all this stuff. But I spend a week on that. I'm just like, ugh, I hate this. And I just don't want to do it. So, <laughs> so really, I think we need to find someone that can come in and help us do that. You know, those are the kind of things we're thinking about now. But Garden Plus, the software subscription, should hopefully provide enough revenue for my wife to, to go full-time on this project. And that would be huge for us. And then that's really what we're thinking about is just, you know, bringing people in full-time, but organically. Without, and I don't want to have to do like, we went down the VC road and all of that kind of thing. And I don't want to give my life to this, you know, to, to that, to making money. I've worked at a software company as, as a product manager before. So I thought about making money all the time and it drained me as a person. And I just don't want to do that. So our focus right now is still on the software and Garden Plus. I'm excited about this. And then, you know, we have a partnership with a couple of different companies, um, like the Smart Pots containers. We have a great relationship with them where we're uh, we're going to be selling their products to a store soon. And, and we have other products we've kind of handpicked. So I don't know where things are going to go on that front. But yeah, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. I didn't know you were superhuman. I mean, doing all that stuff with four kids. I have five kids. And you know, you're talking about your full-time job and then the after-work job and then the four kids and getting the three rings on your thing. And you said the week that I learned NGRX. And so that also makes you superhuman because if you can learn NGRX in a week, <laughs> I swear... <laughs> but uh, I like how you're kind of approaching this and saying, this is how we manage this because it is freaking hard. I mean, you know, I run devchat.tv as my full-time job and then I run it some more as my side hustle. And so, yeah, I mean, kudos to you, man, because it's, well, but it's even, a lot. You said 2017, right? It was when you started? Yeah, July 2017. So it's like two and a half years. How wow, that's insane. That is I, absolutely insane. It is. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> Not just for like I'm looking at the photo of like your garden. Like it, just to say that I did that, much less the app on top of everything, and now with the two apps. And so I'm just wondering for those normal people who are looking at your accomplishments and going, "Oh my gosh, I could never do that." Like whenever you first started, was it like, I'm just going to grow spinach, right? Like, and then you're yeah, like, I can yeah. do this now. Or like, or when you started the app, for example, you're like, I'm just going to make it for, so I can catalog things. Like how, what were the, the, the seeds of this adventure so that we can feel a little. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I was one it. of those people <laughs> that thought coding was this mountain I could never do because I failed my programming class in college. The first thing I'd ever failed in my life. And it made me drop out of college and go into depression. It was a devastating thing for me. 
What sort of languages were they getting you to do in college? That was C++ and I was building a calculator uh, or something like that. So um, then I went to work. So I'd always been like obsessed with computers my whole life. I was really into this NASCAR racing game as a kid. I wanted to learn all about how to make it work different. So I got obsessed with like tinkering with it. So I was coding back then. I just didn't know that was called coding. And I was helping, you know, this like uh, group of people that put together mods. I was building scripts for them for installs and stuff. So I've always been kind of around this world. And then out of high school, when I realized I wasn't going to be a professional golfer, I was like, well, I got to find like a real job. So I went to work at a software company here in Oklahoma City called Alamode that made real estate software. And I went to, I started there in tech support. And then I, I moved into QA. I was QA for four years. And and then I was a product manager for four years. So I worked around a lot of just incredibly smart people. And I just sat over their shoulder and watched everything they did. So I had a lot of kind of background knowledge of, of all of that. You know, I didn't come into this like just without knowing anything about computers. Like I came into that with that. And within QA, I was doing a lot of SQL stuff and all sorts of stuff like that. So, and then I had been doing some like automated uh, testing too. Cause when I, I left all the mode and went where I am now, and when I started here, I came in to start their QA department. So I started learning, you know, like Protractor and stuff like that. So that's kind of what got me. And so I wasn't completely like at square one when I came in, you know, at like learning Angular. I already had that kind of background f- fundamental knowledge. But what I will say to anyone out there that wants to start learning is like, here's the key is I stopped and I'm not like anti-television, but I stopped watching all that stuff. I stopped watching Game of Thrones and Mad Men and all my favorite shows back then. And all of my time after the kids went to bed went towards Pearl Site and all this kind of stuff. So there is a balance between... Say, whenever you're sitting, you know, after, because my kid goes to bed around 7, 7.32. And then, you know, my husband, his desk is across from me. We're both developers. But instead of being in here developing, we're most of the time on our Xboxes in the living room playing together. So it would be like a huge, like, here's your night, right? Like every night. So is that all the time? Like you never like binge watch on Netflix? You're just... <laughs> no, you got to have a balance because that was part of the problem. Because once I picked this thing up, I did, it was like a year and a half straight of every single night as hard as I could go. Because then as soon as we released the app, uh, there was a home and garden show here in Oklahoma City that just happened to be going and we got in touch with them. And then, so I had a big like presentation to a bunch of people. And then like I had a presentation after presentation because I was pre- presenting to like all these gardening conferences and all this stuff. And so it was just like a chaotic year and a half of nonstop. And then I crashed hard and wanted to throw the whole thing away and walk away from it. And it took about three months to get my soul back. I felt like, and you know, so it took me a long time. And now like we have a good balance of like, that's why I think the week on week off that I do with my older kids when they're away, you know, for the week that they're away, I go, we go really hard. And then when they're back, we're hanging out with them. They're up later. So we're hanging out with them. We're watching shows. We're going out and we take them down and downtown Oklahoma city. There's a really great area. You can walk around and take a streetcar around. So we'll go spend the whole day like on Saturday doing that. So it's kind of week on, week off for us now. But for that week that I'm dedicated, I am dedicated. And it's all I'm thinking about, you know, like as soon as I come home from the day job, it's okay thinking about in then. But there's definitely a balance and you can go too far. So that's why I say like, I'm not anti-TV. I think it's a healthy thing. But when I was first learning and I had to get obsessed, like that was when, like I couldn't control that though. It's all I wanted to do was learn and watch videos and read books and, and all of that. So, because I was building something. You know, like I had this app that I was starting to build. And the first day that I started building it, I had a list of, of plants that were hard coded and I, you could tap on it and look at another page. So I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do and that fire of like, I want to build something kept me going and I didn't, I couldn't really control it. So my question is, because I talk to lots of people who are trying to get into programming or who are trying to 
get caught up with, you know, whatever technology they're trying to learn or, you know, things like that. And it's like, okay, well, how do I learn this fast? You know, we've all kind of gone two and a half years. Look at all of everything you've done. This is a lot, right? And you're telling us, I learned a code so I could build this. So how do you ramp up quickly? Like, what do you find is effective for you, especially in the Angular space? Is it, is it the videos? Is it books? Is it other walkthroughs? Is it just, I just spend a ton of time doing this? I mean, wh- how much time do you spend on each aspect of this? And what do you think is the most effective thing that people can do to level up? If someone wanted to learn Angular, I can't think of a better way to learn Angular than to watch the Angular Getting Started video on Pluralsight over and over until you understand it. And here was my method of that, was I would watch, maybe the first time I watched it, I got like four modules in before I was like, what is happening? And I wanted to cry. At that point, I would stop. I would walk away, go to the garden, do something like that or water, you know, something mindless, and then come back, you know, a couple hours later, maybe a day later. And then I would start over at the beginning and then I would kind of fly through that beginning part. And then once I got to the point I was stuck at, well, now I, fun- I understood a fundamental better and I wasn't stuck anymore. So I'd keep going until, so I, I had to cycle through. And I watched that video literally eight times before yeah, I finally- is that just watching understood. or do you follow along with like the examples, programming and things? So the first time I will just watch it and I just take it all in. And then I'll go back through and watch it and try and build it like along with it. But the first time I just kind of like, because the way my memory works is like, if I watch something and really am focused, I'm able to recollect it a lot better. I get too distracted if I'm trying to do something too. So I'll do one pass through of watching and then go back through and okay, now I'll try and, and a lot of times I'll go binge like a lot of different videos as a first pass through, especially in the beginning when I didn't really know who was doing it right, you know, because there's all the different ways of doing things. And especially if you're on YouTube, I really recommend Pluralsight because I feel like it's a much more, especially for Angular, that it's just so like, I feel like I'm going to talk about Deborah all day, but her, I mean, I, those, her courses, like all of her courses, like her RxJS one, all of those are where I've learned pretty much everything is just by binging her videos and then allowing myself to take breaks and not to get too frustrated with myself and to know that if I come back, I'll understand it. That's been the biggest issue is to learn to forgive myself if I don't understand something. And how did you apply like this learning? Did you like directly start to implement seed to spoon or did you like write some small apps to just like have a whole app in front of you and see how it works. It's been seed to spoon from day one. So the day that, uh, can I tell just a brief story about kind of the day I, I decided I was going to code? I had just uh, had a, a, not a heat stroke, but like a, a heat incident. I was trying to make gardening videos when it was 110 degrees outside about how you can cool your plants down. And I didn't drink enough water to cool myself down. And I ended up in the hospital. And I came out of it and I was kind of like, at this point, like Seed of Spoon was a YouTube channel where I was making videos for how to do everything. And that's where kind of the idea of like, I had to make an app to make it easier to get all this information out came from. So anyway, I was out to lunch with my team like the week after I got back and I was talking about how like, I couldn't find one of my developer friends to help me build this app. And, and one of my really good friends, Luke, kind of said like, you can do this. Like, I know that you can learn how to code. When we get back from lunch, we're going to set you up with Ionic. We're going to get you a couple lines written and get you started. So we get back from lunch. We did that. We got Ionic installed. They showed me that. We got an object set up for vegetables with properties for each plant. We got that rendering in a list and then showing a detail page. And then from that point on, it was, well, now I want to do this. Well, now I want to do this. You know what I mean? So that was, it was that for like a year and a half of building on that code base until like I had to go back and kind of rebuild all of that uh, last about six months ago. I kind of re re you know, I started a new project and built everything in the right way. But that was how I built for the first year and a half and how I learned was just, and then I would get stuck on something and I'd pull in my friend, Justin, or, you know, or someone like that, or, or Patrick that works on the app with me now. And, and I just kept, you know, 
kept building things. That was the key for me. It was just keep having something I needed to build and keep building things. There's so many things that you've mentioned with all the tech, whether it's like Ionic or like NGRX and all of that. There's so many learning curves like to be had with all of those things. And you obviously we've we talked about like just how fast you've picked that up. But what would your advice be to someone that is sort of like dealing with all these daunting things and there's TypeScript on top of all of this stuff as well. So even if you have a JavaScript background, you've still got to deal with, you know, how, how does TypeScript sit, sit with all of this? What sort of advice would you give to people that have been chucked into something that maybe has something like NGRX and Ionic and Firebase all in the same thing? Like how, how would you rec- like recommend someone break that down? First piece of advice is, you know, to learn to walk away, that it's okay. If you don't understand something, to walk away, that I had to learn about how the brain works and that you have background threads that continue to run. They're going to give you new ideas. Trust that process. So that's the first thing is, um, and then, you know, you got to break it into small chunks. So I didn't learn any, I didn't learn all this at once. It was all in chunks. You know, it'd be a month of being obsessed with Ionic and then a month of Angular and then a month of NGRX. So it, it wasn't all at once. It was in waves, you know? The thing I had a challenge with was trying to learn all of this with, um, I had to learn C Sharp last year too, to do the backend stuff. So that was difficult for me because like the typings being inverted, you know, between TypeScript and C Sharp, just that little thing threw me for a loop and I could not, but this one, I remember distinctly, I woke up one morning and I had been dreaming in C Sharp and that was the turning point for me. It was the first time I dreamed in C Sharp. That was when everything changed. I have dreams about code all the time where if it's something I can't figure out and I'm reading tutorials you know, or something like all night before bed, I'll be dreaming in code. And the first time I dreamed in C Sharp was when it changed. So I think that's just like learning a language. It just takes repetition. You know, it's like once you're learning, if you're learning Spanish and you start dreaming in Spanish, you know, you're doing good. Well, it's the same idea with, with code, you know. Um, I think it just takes repetition and learning and coding every day, even if it's just a little bit, you know, like I go in spurts where maybe I don't, co- and I've taken months off from C to Spoon where I don't do anything on C to Spoon where I'm just burned out and it's hard enough to just keep my day job going. But, but it's just coding a little bit every day because it's, it's a language, you know? It's just, that's how you get familiar with it. I think that's the best advice I could give. One thing I'm curious about is why you picked Angular and Ionic in the first place as opposed to building native apps or, you know, doing your website in Rails or Django or something else. So the, the team that I work on where I was building the automated test for, all of our apps were in Angular. So all the people I hung around were, were using Angular and all the... The people around Oklahoma City that I, you know, I, I read on Twitter about what they're using, it seemed like a lot of people were using Angular. And once I, I mean, had code, like even so, like learning Swift and Java, so I could do that, still sounds daunting. So like that, I would have never done it if I didn't have a way to get it on both platforms at once with one code base. Because I probably, I'm one of those people where I'm either all or nothing. So if I couldn't have had an app on Android and iOS, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have been too intimidated by the idea of learning both. So that was kind of where the idea came from to start with Ionic because. Back then, Ionic was just Angular. They didn't have the React and Vue stuff in there yet. And then just knowing that we use Angular during the day. So if I had any issues, I had a room full of experts around me that I could go to to, to learn from. That was big. Yeah, that, that was the main reason. Uh, I've since dabbled in React and, and everything else a little bit. I really like Angular. I like the structure of it. It helps me so much because if I have room to build from scratch, I'll build it a million different ways because I'm my OCD doesn't know how to control itself. But Angular really helps me stay within the framework. And then I just stay up to date on the Angular docs and obsessively read those. And between that and Deborah Carada, I know that I feel like secure and I'm doing it the right way. And now I can just focus on what am I building and not how do I build it, right? All my energy is focused on creating things and not trying to build the perfect grid because I'll spiral on that if I get a chance to. That's what threw me off trying to learn how to program 10 years ago was I would spiral on how to do something the perfect way. And then I, I just 
you know? Yeah. One other thing that I'm curious about, you mentioned that doing Angular and Ionic allows you to use one code base. Is that actually the case? Because it seems like Ionic gives you a whole lot more stuff to worry about than just a regular Angular app. So Ionic 3 definitely had some some Ionic-specific stuff you had to worry about with navigation and all that. But with Ionic 4, they really embrace trying to make everything as native Angular as possible. So for navigation, you're using the router. I'm using straight up NGRX. I've got a couple custom Ionic stuff, but that's really just for handling Cordova stuff. But even with that, they've got their own library called Capacitor now, which is the goal is to replace Cordova. And it's amazing. And those plugins work on both desktop and web. So before I had to have some routing in there for, um, for plugins. So if they're on the PWA, it went one way. If they're on the hybrid app, it went another way. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I have Capacitor that just handles that for me. So yeah, it's, it's been great. I mean, it's really not that much different than Angular with the new version. I can't really think of too much that's... I'm just building... I mean, and even down to the CLI, I'm just generating components. And now there is a concept of pages that is in Angular, just kind of a wrapper for some stuff that makes it easy to handle transitions in Ionic. But outside of that, I think a, an Angular developer could step into Ionic and within an hour or two, they're going to feel right at home and like they never even left Angular. And then I use Bootstrap a lot for stuff, you know, on the Angular stuff. So I just replace that with Ionic's component library and boom, you're basically coding with Angular. The Ionic component library is really nice too. They've got all sorts of stuff for, you know, for lists and cards and everything you could ever want to use. You just, I just start by copying and pasting their stuff over and then getting like a, a mock-up going. And then now I pull my data in and it's built. It feels like cheating now. I mean, when I tried to learn how to code 10 to 15 years ago, it was so overwhelming. And now it's just like, it's like plugging in stuff. It feels like cheating. It really does. What would be like while you were back to the JavaScript and Angular and Ionic world, what would be like the most positively surprising thing, the most positively surprising feature that was really magic? Like, oh, I just write this line and just does all this. And next question that comes with it is what would be like the trickiest part? The thing that looked really simple to do, but with JavaScript, Angular, and Ionic, it wasn't that easy. Yeah, so I, I mean, trying to recapture just the magic of when I first started, I still remember seeing that I could just ng4 in one element and it made all of them. I was like, what? I don't have to go make 20 different, you know, like coming from that background, like that was just amazing to me. Back then, that was super cool. I think as far as what was difficult to learn about Angular, I think I didn't really get my head fully around modules until probably a year into it. I was just, ha I had everything in that module, <laughs> you know, like I didn't fully like under understand component interaction, you know, inputs and output of, uh, you know, and event emitters and all that. I had to go through the pain of that before I really understood, oh, well, this is why you just use NGRX. You don't have to worry about that. So I, I think that's what got me into learning NGRX. So I didn't have to deal with, you know, all of the having a, you know, pulling the service into every component and making sure you unsubscribe and then making sure like, another thing is the, the container presentation pattern. There's a video from Dan Walleen that does a really good job explaining it. That helped a lot because the idea is basically you just put all your, all your data and all your logic in the container and then you're just passing that down into each view. So all the views are just dumb components. So that was really nice. I think that really helped things. I'm trying to think through other, you know, hiccups. I think routing, you know, took me a while to get my head around. That was a whole month of just watching that Deborah Karata course on routing. Luckily, Ionic 3 didn't have to do routing. So I didn't have to learn that in the beginning. Um, I didn't have to learn that till they switched to Ionic 4. So they switched that in Ionic 4. Cordova is, oh my gosh, I, I had so many nights of just like wanting to cry myself to sleep because Xcode gave me this giant error and I didn't know what the heck it meant or where the error even was in there. 
Like it took me like a, like five minutes just to find where the error message was. So like, uh, but again, capacitor replacing Cordova. Oh my gosh, that was huge because capacitor makes it to where now there's a native iOS and Android project living in your, you know, in your Git repo. Before Ionic 3 was blowing away the whole thing and recreating it every time. So if there's a hiccup anywhere in there, then you've got to go figure it out. But now it's just living with the project and it's really don't have any build nightmare issues anymore. Um, knock on wood. But I mean, even like I added Sentry in recently and that went smoothly. So Capacitor is, is really makes things nice for that. Great, thanks. And another question is about testing. How far do you go with testing? As I heard, like you've been through some QA before and which test do you implement? And which part was the hardest one or easiest one? Yeah, I'm ashamed to admit that I do not have much in the way of automated testing. We have a lot of it uh, for, that we use for the day job. We use Cypress and Karma. And I will be hooking that in. It's just been one of those things. I know that it's going to save me so much time if I do it. I know I should do it. It's just hard to find time to do it on the side project because I'm always like just, I've got like two hours to build this feature that I thought of. And that's about all. I, you know, it's just, I'm like always just racing to get stuff done. So it's def- things have definitely bitten us. So it would have been nice to have it. Right now, <laughs> I rely on my family a lot. My 11 and 9-year-old daughters are amazing testers. And I give them a dollar bounty for a bug. That's amazing. That excellent. <laughs> this should be you sh- testing. That's this should beautiful. be a service where you, you get kids to test your application. This is a brilliant business right there. That might be illegal though. Hold on. I don't know if that's legal. But, uh, just don't pay but, them. Yeah, I think right. if it's allowance, then, then it's okay. So, so I've got a bounty out for, you know, for that. Uh, we use the app a lot. So we've got a pretty good beta team too that we, we kick beta builds out to and they let us know if there's something wrong. So really, we kind of fly by the whole Facebook idea of just ship it and see what happens, you know, because it's so easy to get a build back out that it's not a huge ordeal if a bug gets out. You know, I just, okay, well, I'll just get another And then the turnaround on the app store has really gotten better. It used to be like three or four days that the approvals would take. Now it's like, I've seen it in a couple hours sometimes. So they've, they've staffed up and things are a lot better. And on Android, it's immediate. So... Yeah, that's kind of what our testing is. But I definitely, it's just recently that we've gotten really good at Cypress and Karma at my day job. So I'm going to be moving that over here here pretty soon. But Cypress and Karma are really good. Uh, I used to use Protractor and it was good, but it had a lot of hiccups here and there. And Cypress seems to solve those problems. So I like it. I like it a lot. I don't know if we'll still need Karma tests with it, potentially. We definitely do for my day job. I'll tell you, if I was paying a bug on my code, a dollar per bug, my 11-year-old would be telling me that her car's nicer than mine. So, um, yeah. So what about running a side hustle with a full-time job? Because that's another thing where people are looking at, probably looking at a cross-eyed going, I barely have time to breathe between, you know, doing everything I have to do before and after work, you know, get kids to school and, you know, uh, off to activities and, and everything else. And, you know, maybe yeah. church or, you know, anything else you're involved in. And then... You got full-time jobs. So how do you juggle all that? I mean, it's, it's definitely hard. I'm, I'm very lucky in that I, I love my full-time job. I love the people I work with. I've got a super flexible schedule and that I'm able to work from home a lot. I don't dread my, my job at all. In fact, I look forward to going because I know I'm going to learn more stuff. I think it's like free college and hopefully they're not listening because they might not pay me as much if they know that I think of it that way. But so I think that helps is, uh, is mindset. I think when you look up and when you wake up and you kind of hate your job and you're dreading going to it, then when you come home, you kind of feel, you know what I mean? But if you're looking at it a different way, it can help. I think that's the first of all, here's kind of how my schedule works. I get up with the sun. So right now that's like seven ish. It goes down 
you know, it's going to be like six by the summer. I start working after about an hour. I, I you know, I kind of meditate and kind of hang out and go in the garden and stuff. And then I kind of jump into work and then I'll work for pretty much nonstop. I get up to like make my Apple watch happy with standing and I do my standing desk and all that. But I'm pretty much thinking about working or, or building something until about three o'clock, two or three o'clock. And then I, I go get my kids from school, hang out with them for a little bit. And then we, you know, we have dinner and we, uh, we, you know, depending on whether or not I, I have older kids that are here, you know, week on week off. So we're up later with them, but I have family time. And then once they go to bed, then I work on, on seed to spoon. So generally that's at least two hours that I have. If I'm willing to stay up till 11 or 12, it's, it's a little more. I have that every day during the week. And then on the weekends that my older kids are with their mom, then we stay up really late. And, and my wife and I pretty much have a date night where we code in here together and we hang out and we laugh, and we have some beers and, and it's kind of just our, it's our date night together. It's a coding date night is what we call it. So, and then the other weeks are when we, we have family time. So I think you definitely have to have, you know, a room for all of it. And I've been certainly guilty in the past of going way too hard. And that's generally what leads to some sort of crash where my anxiety starts getting out of control or I have a depression that flares up or something. So, but my body will let me know. So generally, if I just listen to my body, then I know when to back down and, and when to and when to go. So it's, it's a difficult thing, though, for sure, to manage all of it. You said, you know, on average, it's like two, two hour chunks a night that mm-hmm. you'll have to dedicate to that. Are you using anything specific for task management, like monitoring? Or is it just like a sticky, sticky note list on your desk? If <laughs> I was doing this, I need to do this. Or are you much more uh, fancy than that? When I worked in product management, it kind of taught me to be OCD about user stories and all that kind of stuff. So I've always been, I've been the one on our team that keeps all that stuff up, up to date. So I, I just brought the same stuff over to Seed to Spoon. So I've got cards and all that kind of stuff that I that I use to manage to keep stuff. And and I have to because it, is hel- it helps me feel accomplished. And I like that. Moving that card over just gives me so much satisfaction of doing it. And also, like, I'm, if I have a bunch of ideas for something, I may throw links into it or something. Or if I'm, or if I'm researching, like right now, I'm researching how to use the, the Canvas API to do sketching. So you can draw a garden, place a plant there, and then look at details on it. So I've been studying, you know, how to use the HTML Canvas and how to use it with Ionic and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of gathering resources that I put in a user story. So that's how I keep all that stuff organized. And I just use the free version of TFS. And um, we have that for our Git as well, for all of our code and all that kind of stuff. We just use that. Again, that's what I use during the day. So I just use the same stuff because I'm familiar with it. And I know with it being you know Microsoft stuff, it's going to be good. And we haven't had to pay or anything yet. We're still in the free tier of that. We haven't really had to pay for anything except for MailChimp. MailChimp's expensive. but Yeah, just, else just for folks that aren't familiar, TFS is uh, Team Foundation Server. It's Microsoft product. It's rebranded now. It's about VSTS, I think is what it's called, or Azure DevOps. Azure DevOps, Azure DevOps yep. They rebranded like twice in a year. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, they made that big announcement at Build this last year. And we did some interviews for that about that on uh, JavaScript Jabber. So, you can so I've never out. used it. Is it, what is TFS? It's, it has like a Kanban board, you know, and all of that. It has, a, it has Git built into it. So mm-hmm. you can use it as your GitHub repo. It has, uh, you know, pipelines and all that for automation. It's got a bug tracking. It's CICD. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't it like an alternative to Git also before they brought Git inside? Yeah, they used to have like their own, and that, and that was kind of messy. It didn't, it, it wasn't, I don't like it near as much as I do with just having Git in it. So, yeah. I was thinking concerning like your business approach, did you ever think about like open sourcing some parts of the product or did you do it and it didn't, didn't go through? I've had people ask me about it before. 
I haven't thought about it. I, I don't, first of all, I really I wouldn't really know how to do that or where to go. I'm not great at organizing other people, honestly. Like that's not really where my strength is. Like, so I'm not opposed to the idea of doing stuff like that. But, you know, also we would like to make this something that becomes something that supports our family. So that's not our focus, but that is something that we want this to eventually be. So as far as a business is concerned, we're really focusing right now on the software, on making a business out of that. But it's really hard to ignore the idea that we have a lot of users that we could be selling gardening products to because they're already in our app. And right now we're sending them to Amazon and we're, we're, a lot of people are buying things from Amazon from our app. So if we are selling those on our own, then we could, margins are much higher. So it's hard to ignore that, but I'm not a business person and I don't like doing that kind of stuff. So we're trying to find someone that is and is passionate about gardening and all that. We've been on a hunt for a bit trying to find someone, but I think that's what we need to do for the store side because my passion dries up in a second once I start thinking about all of that and working and all of that. And, but I did build a Shopify the other day, so we're getting closer than we've been. We have partnerships with some, with some gardening companies um, ready to go. So we're pretty much ready for that point. But it's, again, this is where, when you ask, how do you manage all of it? I think a big thing too is the book Essentialism helped me a lot. You got to say no to stuff. So like I had to say no to having this sore and stuff. Like it was so hard because I know that, you know, it could potentially make it to where our life's a lot easier, but I just, you, you can't do everything. So you got to say no to some stuff. And that's what we said no to up until now. But once we feel like we can do it really well, and that's part of it too. I don't want to do anything until I feel like I can do it really well. And I don't want to be selling things to people unless I can have someone dedicated to customer service and returns and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I want them to have a really good experience. So we'll get to that point. But right now we're focusing on trying to build a business out of software. So we have the Garden Plus version of our app that'll be coming out. It's in testing right now. So it'll be coming out in the next few months. And then hopefully, hopefully that will start getting us to the point of this being a full-time endeavor for us. Hopefully. <laughs> but I'm not like excited to get out of my job right now because I'm still learning every day. And I'm, you know, like it's still, I still get a lot of value out of, my, out of my job. So really the goal right now is trying to get my wife full-time. She teaches a lot of nursing online which can be some repetitive work sometimes, you know? So she, she really likes doing all this stuff. And so we're trying to get to where she can go full-time and then just kind of see what happens. But I'm still learning so much and I still like, you know, I love the stuff. I'm, I get to, I'm starting a new project tomorrow where I get to start a brand new project from scratch with the latest Angular stuff and everything. So I get to do that pretty much every six months right now, the way we're structured. That's so awesome. it's fun. <laughs> yeah, like why would I want to leave that? Like I get to basically learn the, you know, so... It's and a very cathartic experience, isn't it? Starting a new project from scratch. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's great. And then that's pretty much how all of our projects are structured. So it's, it's nice. I'm curious too, and I've got a couple of side projects that I'm you know, hoping to launch here soon-ish. How did people find your app? Like, How did you do that kind of thing where you're getting people to come to your website or pick up the app or things like that? Because that's a problem that I'm trying to figure out. And I know the podcast will help, but that's not the whole story. I'm glad you asked because I think, I think I've got a good tip on that. So it started with, we had a YouTube channel before we launched the app that had about 4,000 subscribers. So we had a decent base to start pushing YouTube videos out to. And you know we had an email list and all that that went with it. So we started with that. And we told them to search for From Seed to Spoon in the App Store. And that's kind of how we started. And then like once I noticed that we were in the top five for gardening, I started saying search for gardening in the app store kind of first on accident. And then I noticed something is we started trending up in gardening. And I think that's because we trained people to search for gardening and then, and then tap on us. And then I switched it up a few months later to say search for growing food in the app store. 
And that did the same thing. So now we rotate through what we tell people to search for like every six months. And doing that has brought us... So if you search for gardening right now, I believe we're number one in both iOS and Android. If you search for growing food, we're number one. All these terms, that was a big thing. We also uh, did a lot of promotional stuff. So we did, in Oklahoma especially, we did free kids gardening events where we partnered with the nursery to do a workshop where kids could come out. And we had all these activities for kids. We had all these signs for the app everywhere. So people learned about the app. We do a lot of work with home and garden shows. We have one coming up this weekend in Oklahoma City where I have a couple presentations and we have like a booth set up and all that. And again, all this is free. All I did was reach out to the home and garden show and say, hey, I would love to teach free classes in exchange for some space so we can display our app. Would you like to work together? It went really well the first time we did it. And now every time they come back, which is twice a year, they invite us back to, and now they like print signs for us. And like, we're one of the like featured things that they feature. So they do all the work for us. And they got us an interview with like the Daily Oklahoman and with all the news agencies around here. So, you know, that was how we grew was just thinking, you know, who can you partner with locally that you can benefit? And, and you got to be able to benefit them too. We were offering to put on free classes and we hustled. I mean, we, we did, we had a whole weekend where I took my RV to the state fair and lived there for the whole weekend because I was there from the beginning until the end, every single day doing classes. I had like 20 classes in one weekend. But that was key to our growth because it got the word out. It got people searching. And then reviews are huge as well. There's a Cordova plugin that lets you called app, app rate, app dash rate, that lets you automatically, like uh, after so many uses, it pops up and said, do you like using from seed to spoon? If they choose yes, do you mind leaving a review? It really helps us out. I think that really helps with getting a lot of reviews in. One of the strategies there is we don't ask on the first time you open. We wait till you've opened three times. Because if you open three times, you probably like us at least a little bit. So I always get annoyed the first time you open an app and it's like, it asks you immediately, I'm like, well, I don't know. I haven't even used it yet, you know? And then, so I think reviews help a lot. And then, you know, we have a blog that my wife does an amazing job of maintaining of having, you got to think about your content. So the type of content she puts out is like top five plants to grow for weight loss, the top 10 plants for uh, pregnancy, you know, like uh, just stuff like that. And now it started to pick up on Google. So we had a pretty big day yesterday where Google News picked up one of our blog posts and sent like a thousand people into our website. And that was on how to grow a square foot gardening. So it's just having, you know, just it's a constant churn though of having to put that stuff out and it's a grind. And we've we've taken weeks off from it and and just come back to it. But I think all of that stuff has been has contributed to the growth and and then you, you gotta have a good product too. If your product's not any good, then you know, no one's gonna want to leave reviews or use it. So You've got to make sure you build something that's going to be useful to people. Very cool. Everybody's stunned. I'm still Great. can't get over how how shortly ago you began programming. Like this is absolutely nuts to me. Like you you were, you were nuts. <laughs> well, I'm again like I'm really lucky. I'm around people that are incredible. Like I think a lot of the challenge when people start programming is they're kind of off on an island and you get stuck and then you're stuck on something for a week. Like I didn't have any of that. You know, I'd be stuck on something for an hour and then I'd message someone and I'd get the best answer you could ever imagine. So you know, like. And in every community too, if you're in Oklahoma, um, you know, there's a Techlahoma community that has people just like that too. I think that we're starting to see more communities like this. So uh, I think anyone can do this. It's just a matter of prioritizing your time and focusing on doing a little bit every day and trying to build something, have something you want to build. Yeah, but I think there's also something to be said for the way that you kind of describe the way that you consume those courses, right? Where it's, I watched it until I got stuck and then I took a minute or went and got help. And then I went back, right? You have to do the work and you have to do the repetitive work. You have to do the stuff that's really not that fun, doesn't sound like fun. You know, it's not the stuff you're going to go brag to with your buddies over beers. It's, it's hard, gross work. 
And, you know, you went and did it. And, and that makes the difference too. I, when I talk to people that can't seem to get the outcome they want, it's usually because they're not willing to sacrifice enough to get it. Yeah, you just, you got to put it in the work. You know, before I started coding, what I did with all my time, I was obsessed with Madden, the Xbox, you know, one game. And I was in a semi-pro league. And before every game, I would watch the previous three games of the person I was going to play. And I would kind of, you know, come up with an algorithm for how they called their plays. That's what I did with all my time. So, you know, it's just, it's what you do with your time. And not, again, there's nothing wrong with video games. I think there are times where that's good for some people. I can't control my OCD. So it will spiral on me in a hurry if I spend time on the wrong things. So for me, they're not a good thing. But, you know, that was, that was what I was doing with my time before. So, yeah, you just got to focus your time. And it took me a while to learn that. It was 25 years old before I started taking things serious, I feel like. So, yep. All right. Well, I'm probably going to call you up in a couple of weeks about what I should be planting. But in the meantime, let's go do some picks. Let's have Dave start since he's new. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to pick me first there, actually. Yeah, I just checked out. So I checked out Scully, which I'm not too sure if it's been brought up on the show yet uh, as a pick. But I don't think it has, but I'm excited for it. <laughs> oh, man, it's nuts. It's just, it's just a really nice angular static site generator and it does all of the things and i mean the the thing i'm probably most impressed about is it does what it says in the readme (laughs) it was just one of those site generators that i didn't have to mess around to get like a pretty pretty neat little site up and going so if you're sort of potentially looking into a static site generator for whatever you know creating a blog or you know some sort of something um absolutely give it a go it's great it's it's really really nice couldn't recommend it enough nice Alyssa, how about you? So Dave and I were talking about sleep training your little ones. And uh, that brought up in mind this pick that was actually passed down to me from Aaron Frost. And it's the book. And I know it sounds so cliche. There's a book for your problems. But I actually followed the uh, On Becoming Baby Wise process for sleep training. And we're now at nine months and he sleeps from seven to seven. So I would recommend the book. I know not all children are the same though. So everybody has different issues. But for me being a new time mom, it was really helpful. I, I love, I love uh, you know, guidelines. <laughs> not that there's any perfect guideline for raising a child. So, um, but I really, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, so yeah. I'm going to buy it tomorrow. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll let you know how it goes. I think somebody just spoke to somebody else's pain. Eunice, do you have some picks for us? Yes. Two picks, one quite related to today's episode and the other one concerning more specific to Angular. So the first one is this uh, blog post from Kent Beck that he posted last week, I guess. So Kent Beck from the Extreme Programming and TDD world. And it's about how we usually measure, measure the, the output in general, like how many features did we release, or the, the impact, how many people subscribe to our apps instead of measuring the outcome. How did I bring value to my users? Which is quite related to uh, Seed to Spoon, where like, the main objective right now is the outcome. And I really like the idea, like, okay, I want, pe- I want it to help people. Then we'll figure out if we can bring money and stuff like that. Well, anyway, it's, I'll share the link. It's... A really small blog post, which is very interesting. And the other one is the Nginx lib package, like the Nginx team that released the guys behind like Transloco and stuff like that, that shared uh, an open source schematic for generating like a skeleton for uh, an Angular library. 
So which is quite cool, but because usually when you want to create an app, you find all the schematics and stuff and boilerplates of all kind. But when you want to create like a library, there's still stuff missing there. So that's it. So I'm just going to quickly jump in. Alyssa, I've just bought the book. <laughs> it's, uh, that's how desperate I am. That didn't take long. <laughs> yeah, Excellent. <laughs> Brilliant marketing technique. Nice. I'm going to throw in a few picks here on my own. So one of the things that I've gotten into is uh, I, I just I love listening to books. There are just some terrific books out there. So it's The Rift War Saga by Raymond E. Feist. The first two books are Magician Apprentice and Magician Master. They were originally one book and the publishing company made him split them into two books because it was so long. How is it possible? We are so in sync. I'm what, how, on those books right now. Like I finished oh, really? the first one on this. It's just freaking me out, Chuck. I'm, I'm in the <laughs> middle of the second one right now. So I read them when I was in junior high. Oh, so you're not new to them. I just discovered this, this author. So It has been so long since I listened to them that I couldn't have told you anything about the books before I started re-listening to them. But uh, somebody mentioned them on Views on View and I was like, oh yeah, I remember liking those books. That's about all I could remember. So I went and picked up the first one and I was like, oh wow, these are really great. So yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. And yeah, so I'm going to pick those. I've also taken to, while I'm working, sometimes I'll just put a show on. The show that I've been watching lately is The Man in the High Castle. It's an Amazon original based on some books. I'm really enjoying that as well. It's kind of a an alternate history series based on like if the Nazis and the Japanese Empire had won World War II instead of lost. And so, you know, it's got this alternate history. Of course, they've got the concept of information being able to be brought over from alternate realities like ours where we won the war. And so that's interesting too to see how that plays in. But yeah, really, really been enjoying that uh, series. It's really well done. So Dale, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, I've, I've got to give at least one gardening pick. So um, the, the Smart Pots gardening containers that you can see all throughout my app make it a lot easier to grow. So there's these, fa- they're these fabric raised beds, basically. They're like this felt type material and they absorb moisture from below. So the cool thing about that is you can set them in like a pan of water and they absorb water from below. So we use them all over the place. We've pretty much replaced it exclusively. We grow with those. So uh, a shout out to those. Also, I've I've had a, I used to drink a lot of soda as a kid, and then I've I've struggled with it with you know fighting the urge to drink. And one thing that really helped me was switching to club soda with two lemons and two lime wedges because it basically tastes like Sprite and it has no calories. It's just carbonated water and Sprite. And so like I've got a soda per glass. You've got that much wedge going on, or like yeah, per- yeah. So I get like a big cup, like this cup here. I get um, mm-hmm. and I put you know like it's full of club soda and then two wedges of lemon and two wedges of lime. It basically tastes like a Sprite and it makes it so I don't have to drink soda. So I got a soda stream uh, that I've got here uh, at the house that you can do like three weeks on, on one of those canisters. So shout out to that because it helps me kick my soda habit. And then lastly, I want to give one book. So there's this book called Boomtown that is all about the history of Oklahoma from the land run until now. And it intertwines in the story of one thunder season in between. And it's written by this writer for the New York that uh, his name is Sam Anderson, and it's this incredibly written book. And if you have any interest in Oklahoma, uh, check out that book. And even if you don't, like it's it's super fascinating. So, yeah. Will there be nice. any speakers from uh, people from Oklahoma next week, or is it like a <laughs> condition for 2020? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chuck. Next week we have more Oklahomans 
on the on the show. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> what did we do wrong? <laughs> uh, <laughs> who's on next week? I don't know. I if he was asking. I don't know who's on next oh, week, but that gotcha. that would be very funny if it's a twenty twenty theme. I think we should do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can hook y'all up. Just let me know. I know more people. So <laughs> we're always looking for people, so that would be awesome. We've got fascinating stories here in Oklahoma. There's a really good startup community here, and the Thunder actively helps with it. They have this launch pad that we were lucky enough to go through where they pair you with people and you get thirty thousand dollars in Google credits and it's it's great. It's it's a really good tech community here in Oklahoma City. Nice. If people want to find you online, Dale, where do they find you? So uh, I'm on Twitter personally, uh, uh, Dale Spoonmore. I'm also on Instagram as my personal stuff. But From Seed to Spoon is on all the platforms. That's sometimes me. Sometimes it's my wife. So sometimes it's something that is kind of marketing-ish. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, that's that's how to find information about our app. But you know, um, my personal stuff is on Twitter and, and Instagram. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Dale. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Big thanks to our panel as well. We'll go ahead and wrap this up. And until next week, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.